You know, I was thinking as we were worshiping, this really is the hour. You know, right at the end of the book of Habakkuk, says, though the fig tree may not blossom. Remember that scripture? You know, there, no, there be no cattle in the stall. There's different interpretations. But the key is, yet I still will rejoice in the Lord my God. And the church is going to rejoice in this hour and uh, we're going to see his glory. I'm saying yes and amen. So it's time just to believe God. He said, did I not say that you would see the glory of the Lord if you would just believe? And so we believe. This week, uh, Carla sent me a, uh, a series of videos, and we sent that out on the church email, you know, and uh, Andrew, Andrew Brunson. How many of you got that email that some of you did some of you need to read your emails that come from us, you know, and others, if you're not getting the email, you need to sign up. But we're very familiar with Andrew's story and the persecution that he went through in Turkey for, what, two years. And uh, God brought him back to America, and we believe he has a, a word in season for our nation. You know, the church in America in the year 2022 is probably the least prepared church in all of church history to face persecution. And uh, this is the direction, if I understand God's word correctly, and I believe I do, that this is part of our calling. How many of you know that? It's part of our calling. That's how you know you're genuine. Do you know that if you even desire to live godly, even think about it, even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you will suffer persecution. And so anyway, Andrew has produced a, a series of videos on his experience. They're really bite-sized teachings. I don't know if you saw it or not, but the first one was about 18 minutes. The second one was 15 minutes. It's all that way. So we're going to keep sending those out. And then in a few weeks from now, we'll try to sum it all up and, uh, you know, just be the people of God. Obviously, God saw something in you or he would not have chosen you to live at this hour in history. And uh, I think what he saw in you was his son and that you're willing to let his son be made known. Now, I don't know how all this is going to fit together, but I felt like I was to do something and then I'm going to share from the word. But I'm very thankful for the men of God that are unafraid and unashamed in this hour to stand up and proclaim the truth in the midst of lies and distortions and be a true prophet in the face of all the false prophets. And you know, they're false prophets that are on the media, they're politicians, and they're scattered about the land. I don't know if you saw, but John MacArthur, you've heard, you've heard of him, 83 years old, he confronted the governor of California. He wrote an open letter to the governor. And um, anyway, when I read that, I thought, you know, we need to trumpet that. We need to give a little extra boost from North Carolina, from Moravian Falls, just to support John. And, uh, but also because of the truth of his message and because he's confronting 
really what is a false prophet of our day. And uh, so I wanted to read to you this open letter. And it, we, we saw the story on Fox. You know, uh, Tucker had the... I don't know how they've kept Tucker on, on the air, but we thank God for Tucker. And I don't know everything about him. I just appreciate anybody that's going to stand up and speak anything that's true. It should be the church every time we gather. You know, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There'll be, what, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. And there's nothing wrong with marrying. But the problem was they were looking at everything as just normal. They lost their sense of urgency. And if the church in any way in America has lost its sense of urgency in this hour, you know, woe is that congregation because, you know, they will be just as the Lord said is in the days of Noah. But anyway, I, I wanted to, um, to read this, it, uh, this open letter. And plus, he's 83 years old. We need some 23-year-olds and 33-year-olds to be like John MacArthur. But anyway, it's, he's sharing, and this is something he quoted, and I'll read. He's talking about the diabolical efforts of the governor that have effectively trashed the state, leading us to epidemics of crime, homelessness, sexual perversion, like homosexuality and transgenderism, and other malignant expressions of human misery that stem directly from corrupt public policy. Now, that was enough in itself, but he hadn't even started the letter at that point. And what he was doing is responding to the billboards that the governor was, you know, had, they had launched a campaign in states where abortion is either being restricted, you know, limited, or outlawed. And so he's putting up billboards welcoming those who need an abortion to come to California. And we'll take care of you. And he's using... In some of the billboards, Mark chapter 12, verse 31, where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I guess that's what really stirred up, and it would have me too, but many, not only John MacArthur, but members of the clergy, and uh, they were just calling this as what it is, disgusting, satanic, and one of the worst distortions of the Bible passage that they'd ever seen. So let me get into the letter. He said, in mid-September, you speaking to the governor, open letter, revealed to the entire nation how thoroughly rebellious against God you are when you sponsored billboards across America promoting the slaughter of children whom God created in the womb. You further compounded the wickedness of that murderous campaign with reprehensible acts of gross blasphemy quoting the very words of Jesus from Mark chapter 12, verse 31, as if you could somehow twist his meaning and arrogate his name in favor of butchering unborn infants. Furthermore, you chose words from the lips of Jesus without admitting in that same moment he gave the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And you cannot love God as he commands while aiding in the murder of his image bearers. And he went on to express how Newsom's soul lies in grave eternal peril for having twisted the words of the Bible 
and that he will give, he will someday be called to give an account before God as actions of the governor of California or governor of New York, or the governor of Massachusetts, or the governor of Illinois, or the governor of Louisiana, or the governor of North Carolina. He said, our church and countless Christians nationwide are praying for your full repentance. Please respond to the gospel. Forsake the path of wickedness you have pursued all of your life. Turn to Christ Ask for forgiveness and use your office to advance the cause of righteousness, which is your duty, instead of undermining it, as has been your pattern. Well, thank God for those who don't hold back any words. And I want us to pray this morning because I was, you know, the scripture in the first or second Corinthians chapter four, it says that. Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And as if there's a, there's a veil over their eyes, they can't see unless that veil is removed. And I just really felt, Lord, if John said the churches across America are praying for him, we want to be one of those that are going to fulfill that, that word. So I want to pray for not only Governor Newsom, but the Governor Newsoms of our day. Because they're, they're by many names. Men and women, I'm thinking of the governor in Michigan and others in many states that unless they come to repentance, they're going to meet an eternal doom as they stand before a holy God. Now, I know the elite of the earth believe they're going to escape somehow that judgment day. That's why they're, they're working behind the scenes doing what they're doing, and they, they believe they're going to live for eternity. It won't work. It's not going to work. It is appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. So anyway, I want to pray for mercy. Are you guys with me? So can we just pray? Because it's God's will that none should perish, but that all would be saved, that all would come to repentance. So just agree with me. Father, we pray. Thank you for John MacArthur. Lord, raise up many that would be the John MacArthur's of our day, the General MacArthur's. Lord, we pray right now, though, that, God, you would grant repentance, that, Lord, you would come and remove the veil from the eyes of Governor Newsom and the Governor Newsoms of America. In all of our states, God, not only governors, mayors, council members, city council, state senators, congressmen and women, Lord, we cry out for mercy, God. We're asking for mercy. Lord, we're among those who know the future. We know their doom is sure. Unless, God, the veil is removed and unless they call on God for salvation. And, Lord, we thank you. We remind you. That's why you sent your son that none should perish. And we pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to sweep across America and across the nations of the earth. Call men and women to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift up the standard, we lift up the gospel, the good news that calls men and women to salvation. And Lord, we pray this. We ask you to do it, Lord, for your name's sake. Lord, we cry out for mercy for those that have turned their back on you. Lord, show yourself strong in this hour, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed. Said amen. Amen. Well, I want to share one thing. I want to do something else, and then I'm going to go to Isaiah, and then eventually the book of John, but it won't take too long this morning. Are you guys all with me? We um, just got to speak the word of the Lord. But I want to share a personal experience. This was back, I was in my 20s, and I'm going to, and you'll see this in a moment from Isaiah chapter 5, chapter 6. But I was, I was attending one of those James Robinson Bible conferences. Some of you guys know we've referred to them. That's where I became acquainted with Milton Green, the In the Word seminars that I've shared, and I would travel wherever Milton was holding one of those In the Word seminars. I would go and I shared those were the days. All Milton, now he would give a little comment, but mostly he would just read the Bible. And he would read scriptures I think I'd never heard before. Or, I don't know, they, they seemed brand new to me. And the fire of God would come out of the altar, out of the pulpit. And, and it was dramatic to me, maybe nobody else, but it's like the fire of God would fly out from his mouth and it would just break out in my chest and... I was set ablaze by the Word of God. You know, that's a dangerous thing to be set ablaze by the Word of God. And um, anyway, I went to one of those, and I would go to many of those conferences. That's where I became acquainted with Jack Taylor, who actually became my spiritual father and who just died, what, in the last, what, the year before last. And Dudley Hall, how many of you remember Dudley Hall, some of you? The, the old-time guys will remember some of those old-time guys, and, and, uh, but there were a lot of them. And, uh, but anyway, there was one day, they were, whoever was ministering was ministering out of Isaiah chapter 6. And how the, the seraphim, you know, flew from the altar, the coals, and, and, and they were, he was to anoint the lips of Isaiah. And it was like he was touching his lips with coals from the altar. So anyway, the, the invitation was whoever wanted to be a part of that. It was a real calling. They said, if you're willing to speak the word of God in this hour unashamedly, without fear, and you want God to use you in the coming years and decades, come forward. Well, you know, I, I, hey, I'm in my 20s. I'm gung-ho. Invitation's open. I'm going. That's the way it was. In those, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Those were days... You just responded. Sometimes you didn't even know what they were given an invitation to. You just responded because you were hungry. You wanted God. You wanted to be his son, to be his servant, just be available like Isaiah. And anyway, so I went forward, and um, I saw this in my mind's eye. Now, at this time, I'm trying to think. I didn't even, I'd heard a prophecy, but I didn't know what, what it was, because I was brought up thinking that was all of the devil. You know, just stay away from those things, the supernatural, because, you know, that'll get you in trouble. No, it'll, it'll get you an opportunity to see the real God, a beyond religion. So anyway, I went forward, and so I saw this. He was like a seraphim. I don't know what he looked like, but he came in the midst of that crowd, and there was many people around the altar, and touched my lips, and I remember... I remember that is just like it was yesterday. And uh, I said, God, here am I. 
Hear my, send me. I'm going to pray that in a moment for many of you watching and some in this room because God is issuing that invitation again to those that are willing in this hour. You know, the John MacArthur's, myself, others, you know, we're not going to be around forever. I'm going to be around as long as God wants me to be around. You're not going to take me out until God allows it. That's just the way it is. It's the way I believe for John. That's the way I believe for you. You're not going anywhere until it's your time. There's an appointed time. We're not going to be among the premature deaths. What did I read? There were 14 million premature deaths under the reign of Stalin. And that was probably just the beginning. Well, it's a different time in which we're living, but I'm going to pray that God will keep us. But I want to show you a few things. This is what built up to this over in Isaiah, because I woke up the other night, and this came back to my memory, and I just started reading, letting my fingers do the walking through the, through the chapters, and it just came alive. You know what I'm talking about. You wake up, you can't go to sleep, you open your Bible, and the Bible just explodes again before you. How many of you know it? Is any, am I the only one? No. The Word of God is coming alive in this hour like never before. You don't have to look too far. You could almost just, you know, just, okay, Lord, speak and open it up. God is speaking to His people. And the number one way, He speaks in many ways, but the number one way is through the Word of God. People say, I don't hear His voice. Read the Bible. That's a good place. And, and you'll discover there are many ways. But it all is the foundation. But anyway, in Isaiah chapter 5, it's a picture of the day in which we're living. Verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's one of the woes. Now, that's God's woe. It's not man's woe. God's woe. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. In other words, they twist the truth. They twist the words of God like putting up on a billboard the words of Jesus, making it mean something that it does not mean, so as to promote an agenda. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Now look down in verse 23. Who justify the wicked for a bribe. There are those in our nation, you've taken a bribe from governments or from evil men and women, and you think it's going to be hidden. I'm telling you, it's going to be exposed. And then look in verse 25, therefore, the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and stricken them, and the hills trembled. And then verse 26, in other words, there was the judgment. I mean, if you know, there really is a day of judgment. God is a God of mercy. This is the hour of his mercy. But there's coming judgment. And I believe the judgments have already begun. But in verse 26, he lifts up a banner to the nations from afar, and he whistles to them from the ends of the earth to come swiftly and speedily to his own people, his nation. And if you read, remember, chapter 5, it was his vineyard that he's referring to. And he defended them. He had sown precious fruit. He'd done all that he could for them, but they were bearing worthless fruit, worthless grapes, and there was corruption. 
And so God is dealing with sin. And, uh, but then in chapter 6, now this is really cool. In the very year that King Uzziah died, guess what happened to Isaiah? He saw the Lord. That tells me in the midst of what we would define as death and destruction, you might want to open up your eyes at those times because you're about to see a demonstration of the glory of God. Is that what that says? In the year, the same year that King Uzziah died. And that's where in verse 6, the seraphim flew and touched, you know, the altar and touched Isaiah's mouth. And Isaiah was not going to hold back. And he said, here am I, send me. And then God sent him to a people that weren't going to listen to him. Now, what kind of success rate is that? They, they don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. But God said, Isaiah, you go tell them anyway. And that is our, our task. You and I, we just share the word. It's like, you know, the gospel we just share the gospel. We can't save anyone. Have, how many of you found out it's impossible to save anybody? He's the savior, the convictor. He's the drawer. All we do is speak the word. But anyway, he said, here am I, send me. And then God gave him a really difficult word. Before I pray that prayer, just over in chapter 8, it gets a lot more serious in fact, if you don't want to read just how serious God is, you may not want to read some of the chapters in Isaiah. Just, you know, avoid that. Pretend you're like, you know, the buffet approach to Christianity. Just take that that you want, that sounds good, that tickles your ear. There's a lot of people like that today in churches all over the world. Tell me something that'll tickle my ear. Because if you don't, I ain't going to listen to what you got to say. But anyway, you say it anyway. You say it anyway. Because there's some young guys that are watching. I don't know how you got on to this. You'll watch it later. Because I'm going to pray that God, as he did. Now listen, he's no respecter of persons. If he did that for me in Dallas, Texas a bunch of years ago, he'll do it for you today. So can I just pray that? Because... I was going to say one more thing. I went to that chapter for a purpose. Look in chapter 8. It looks really serious as to what's going on. How the Lord is whistling. He's bringing in nations, invading armies. He does that's part of the plan of God. And then what he does, he judges the invaders. But he uses the invasion as a rod of his chastening or judgment. How many of you know that's in the Scripture? There are many examples. So look, it looked really bad. Look in verse uh, 21 of of chapter 8. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry. And it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged. And they will curse their king and their God and they will look upward. So they're going to curse the king. When folks get hungry... It's not going to humble them. It's going to enrage them. And they'll curse their political leaders, but many of them will curse God. And then they will look to the earth and see trouble. Say trouble. Gee, nobody said it. Jesus said, he said, in this life you will have trouble. Nevertheless, 
There's the rest of the story. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness. Well, we already know Isaiah 60 speaks of that. Gloom and anguish. Oh, it's exciting. And they will be driven into darkness. Sounds, how many of you know that sounds bad? But look in chapter 9. You should go through and read chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Then read 10, 11, and 12. Just read the book of Isaiah, and it'll come alive to you. But chapter 9, nevertheless, say nevertheless. The gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. When at first he lightly esteemed, he saw the things and he interpreted things that are happening from his own perspective. But verse 2, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Say great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light is shined. In other words, we know it's the prophecy of Jesus. A son, the child that is born, a son that was given. And all of this, and then there's the reminder how of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no what? No end. And so the governments of the world will end, but the kingdom of our God shall know no end. And then you could go on and read a whole bunch more. Chapter 9, verses 8 through 12 or so. That's where Jonathan Kahn, you know, that prophecy, how they tried to put things back together after 9-11. You know, the bricks have fallen down and we will rebuild. That's what's happened. They've sought to rebuild the world in their own image. A new world order, so to speak. But it's not going to work in any way. In verse 13, they, the people did not turn to the Lord who strikes them. Nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. But there will be a people who will seek him. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to share a few more things. You guys, everybody with me? I was hoping this would make sense. Even if it doesn't make sense. It's not my job. It is my job to be as, you know, as, as, wait a minute, no, it's not. We're not trusting in man's ability to make something make sense. We're trusting in the power of God is what we're trusting in. It's not whether men say it right or they say it wrong. How many of you say things sometimes you feel like you've messed it up when you said it? Well, God is bigger than that. He's way bigger, but I believe he's made it make sense. If you want this prayer to relate to you, you're saying, "I'm, I'm Isaiah. I want you to touch my lips with the coals from the altar. And whatever my sphere of influence, I am available, and I am saying, here am I, send me. I want you to stand, and we're going to pray. And you guys that are watching, and I'm going to pray this. God brought this back to my memory this morning. And I'm just going to believe he's going to answer. He's going to honor. Let it be according to your faith. I have faith to believe that God will do as he said he will do. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, just receive from him. Lord, I ask you, those that are watching and those that are in this room, Lord, I thank you. Isaiah, whether he was... Regardless, all we know is he said, here am I, send me, and God chose him. He was a willing vessel, and you touched his lips. And I pray right now, Lord, for the seraphim to bring the coals from the altar. And I ask God that those seraphim would touch our lips and the lips of those in this room and the lips of those that are watching right now. 
And I pray for the fire of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray the word of the Lord would explode in their spirit. And God, they would be at the right place at the right time, whether the people listen or not, to speak, thus saith the Lord. And I release it all over the nation. God, I pray for 100,000 John MacArthur's. Thank you that you've kept him alive. Keep him alive, Lord, many more years. You're not done with him, nor this generation of those of us that are way over 50, Lord, but I thank you for the generation to emerge that will be boldless and courageous, and they will trumpet the word of the Lord on street corners, in barns and saloons, in churches, in home churches, on, in the halls of Congress, and before the national media. Now, I release them now, Lord. I pray for open doors to make a way where there seems to be no way. I thank you, Lord. Some are going to be escorted in to the chambers of kings to speak the word of the Lord just like John spoke. And we release that anointing. Now, everyone that agrees, say yes and amen. And we thank you for it. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I wanna, I'm just going to share a few things quickly out of the book of John because, um, you know, this is just something I thought about this week. And um, how many of you know, remember in Exodus, I'm going to do it really quick. In Exodus chapter 3, God hears the cries of his people. They're in bondage. They're in captivity. Now, when you're in captivity, what's the best way to get out of your captivity? Cry out to God. Men cannot save you. The political systems of the day, you know, we thank God for our own government. I thank God for our Constitution. Many have trashed it. They pay no mind to it. But it was a gift from God, a gift from above. Every perfect gift comes from above. And it was a gift to our nation. And there are many that still recognize that and believe that. And they will defend that. And they're thankful. But remember in Exodus chapter 3, they're crying out for a deliverer. And God heard their cries. Some of you thankful God hears the cries of those who look up to him. You cried out to God, Cody, and God didn't turn a deaf ear, did he? He didn't say, I can't, I can't hear your prayer because you said you would never enter a church again. No, he tricked you and got you in a church again. So he would let you know he hears the cries of Cody. It didn't matter if you even walked in this room. God was going to hear what you had to say. And right now, there are nations that are wondering what to do in this hour. Well, you can do what the counselors or the wisdom of men would tell you to do, but can I tell you the wisdom of men is going to prove to be foolish. It's the foolishness of God that you need. And you may think those who speak for God are foolish, but they have the word that you need to hear in this hour. So listen, it's God's word that is the word that trumps over every other opinion. How many of you know that? The opinions of men come and the opinions of men fall. 
But the word of our God abides forever. Now, we know in that story that there's um, Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. You know, the bondage is a type of being in bondage to sin. Moses is a type of Jesus. Not, he's not Jesus, but he's a type. He points to is a picture. And then, you know, Israel, God's people. So the people of God cry out. And God hears and he delivers them and he saves them. And that same God that delivered them will deliver nations today if they will humble themselves. Whoever humbles himself and cries out to God, God will come. God is anxious to move on behalf of the people that will humble themselves and cry out to him. He sees our pain. He sees the sorrows. And he's greater than any captivity that we'll ever face. Because sin is the greatest of them all. And then we see there's a deliverance out of bondage into the promised land. And eventually they go through the wilderness. But remember when Moses is being called, he doubts himself and he says, God, who am I? I mean, what if they ask me who it is who's sending you? What am I going to answer? And you remember how God responded. You say, I am who I am. That's a pretty powerful statement. That's like one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. I am that I am. I still remember watching the movie, The Ten Commandments, and it made me, it made me shake a little bit on the inside the first time I heard that. And, of course, you know, Moses had to go through. He had to turn aside to see the bush as to why it was burning, why it was on fire but not consumed. And then God said, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing, you know, is holy ground. He took off his sandals. But anyway, it was the great I am. Now, here's where I'm going to wrap it up. Seven things really quick. How many of you, I'm going to ask you, how many of you remember Jesus said that he was I am seven times in the book of John? Can you remember any of those I am's? Because we need to remember today. One more time. Just define it. Settle it. Say, God, I believe you, period. Because there's going to be challenges in this hour. The enemy... He's not going to stop. He's going to keep until two, one or two things happen. We stop him or God just says, okay, that's enough. And we have authority. We have authority that we're not using, but the church, we're going to use it now. We've got a boldness. Listen, you're going to have a boldness like you've never had before. Somebody told me this week, man, you, you're bold. I, I'm thinking, man, you don't know. You know, if you only knew. Man, these are big giants. Do you think David was standing before Goliath? Now, I know he was a little cocky, but there was some humility there too. Because giants are big. And I've already seen one in my dream. I've seen the beast, and he's big. He's huge. He's ugly. And anyway, that's what we're made for. Anyway, I don't know how I got all there. I did. What are some of the seven I am's? Shout it out real loud. The light of the world. The lamb. You got a bunch of them. Okay, I'm going to mention them real fast. You guys with me? Number one, I'm the bread of life. The bread of life. And you can read over in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He's the one that gives eternal life. Man shall not live by bread alone. Aren't you glad God said that? There's something else by which will sustain us 
in times of need. And he is the bread of life. Now, if he said he's the bread of life, I'm going to believe he's the bread of life. And that he's going to satisfy my longing soul. You reach up and receive from him. He told him, remember there were those, this was too hard. He said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you don't even have any part of me. And remember, they, they thought that was pretty hard. Lord, we don't understand this. And many of them walked away and followed him no more. Where's that? In John 6, 66. Remember that. I always felt like that. Well, Lord, that's probably not an accident that it's 666. Many followed you no more. But there were those who said, you alone have the words of life. And his word is the word. We nurture. That's how we grow strong in this hour. He's the bread of life. Secondly, he said, I am the light of the world. I heard many of you say that. You guessed that off right off the bat. And the context is in John chapter 8, the woman that's caught in the very act of adultery and the Pharisees want to stone her, remember. And uh, Jesus reaches down and writes in the sand and he says, who among you is without sin? Let him cast the first stone. And they all begin to scatter. And then Jesus looked at the woman to where are your accusers? You know, really it boils down to it in this hour. If you're hearing him your accusers really, they don't, their voice is not as loud when you're hearing the, Lord, the voice of your master. You're going to face some accusers in this hour. One of the ways that you overcome them, yes, by the word, the blood, you love not your life, but listen to what God says about you greater than what the enemy is saying about you. So just resist the accusation. But anyway, He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then he said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We're going to have to hang on to that in this hour. I think I've shared with you before. I had a a dream where Shirley and I, I love when Shirley's in my dreams. You know, I like just looking over before I go to sleep and just thank God. I thank God all the time. You should be thanking God for the one God gave you. I believe he gave her to me and me to her. So anyway, I'm thanking God and all. But, but in this dream, we were in a western town. Some of you remember this because I, I saw, the, you know, where you tie up the horses and, you know, the saloon and, the, you know, the whole. It, it was a western town. But I saw people that died. There were people outside the doors of these, um, you know, locations, buildings, dead. They were dead. And so Shirley and I walked to our home, and we were about to go in and close the door. And I remember telling the Lord, God, I do not have enough food. I don't, how am I, Lord, I don't have enough food. Now, this is the dream. We walk in and we sit around a table and we've got a light, a candle in the midst of the table. And when we sat down, it dawned on me. It was the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Hey, you may not have enough of what you think you don't have enough of, but I am the light of the world. And if you have the light of the world, you, though you're living in the midst of darkness, you will not have darkness, but you will have the light of life. And I knew we were going to make it because we had the light of this world. And I'm just throwing that out to you. He's the light of the world. And then he said, I'm the door of the sheep. John chapter 10. 
And remember, I'm the door. You know, no one can enter the sheep. We, we enter through, through him. I believe that means two things. Number one, if he's the door of the sheep, that means the enemy cannot enter in that door except but by permission or unless we leave the door open somehow. In other words, close the door, keep out the devil. Remember that old song, close the door, keep out the devil in the middle of the night. So do what you know to do, repent, walk in humility, stay hungry, stay humble, don't get proudful to keep the door closed. But he ultimately is the door of the sheep. And then, we, and then obviously it means that no one can come to the Father but by me. There's, he's the door. He's, and then he's number four, the good shepherd. Say the good shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He's the, say, the great shepherd of the sheep. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought you, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. And you can do it today. I was thinking about Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's probably, you know, you need to read that more than just at funerals. I mean, it's appropriate, but it's appropriate for today. And so if you have him as your shepherd, number one, you shall not want. You're not going to lack. Wait a minute. Jesus, did you say, did you mean it when you said, if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these other things will be added unto me? How many of you think he meant it? He meant it. You shall not want. Now, here's what it means. To lack, to have nothing, to go down, to recede, to make lower, to deprive, to withhold what is needful. Do you think God is withholding? Back when I was a single guy and praying for a wife, and I couldn't get any girls to go out with me, I thought the Lord was dangling things before me, and right before I'd grab hold of it, he'd pull it away. That's what I literally thought. I said, God, you're cruel. Why am I, why are you against me? I really thought that. Anybody else? One time, I think I've told you, I threw my Bible at God one time because it said, he that finds a wife has found a good thing. And I said, well, God, obviously, there's something good you don't want to give me, so I threw my Bible. And God ducked, I missed him. I literally did that in West Virginia in my trailer. It's probably why I lived in a trailer then in those days. But anyway, I repented. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to throw my Bible at you. And you're not going to lack. You're not going to lack. Say, I'm not going to lack. And then he makes me to lie down. He makes me to lie down. He makes you. Sometimes you're stubborn. You don't want to rest. You don't want to trust him. So he puts a little pressure on you so you'll lie down. Because as long as you try to be God, God can't be God. Somebody told me, the best thing you can do is let God be God. And in this hour, we got to let God be God. Let every man be a liar, because they are, but let God be God. And then he restores my soul. He 
brings me back, recovery, life. How many of you found he's the God that recovers, restores, strengthens? Mercies are new every morning. The world is draining us right now, trying to drain the life out of you because of all the stuff. Listen, God is a source that never runs dry. You can run to that river of life. And then he leads, he guides, he brings me along beside the still waters. Sometimes they appear turbulent. And they are. But God's the one that leads us. And then we won't fear because he's with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He prepares. We talked about this last night or last week, not last night. You weren't at my house last night. But last week, I was talking about, what does that mean? Prepare a table before, right before the presence of our enemies? God, what does that mean? It means when your enemies think you are without, I'm going to show up and show you that I am who I am. Even in the midst of your enemies, so they'll want what you've got. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. You didn't say amen, but I'm saying amen. I like that. I'm looking for the table prepared before me, there in the very presence of my enemies. And then surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Then he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. We're going to need that in this hour. You know Lazarus, and we've already referred to that. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But nevertheless, you say the word. And he said, did I not tell you? If you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord. I'm telling you, he is the resurrection and he is the life. And he's going to prove himself. Listen, the resurrection power. Now, I know one day we will all be a part. Those in Christ will be a part of a resurrection of the just. And we forever shall be with the Lord. There's also another resurrection of the unjust. And they shall forever be separated from God. There is a heaven and there's a hell. There is coming a judgment. But there's coming a resurrection. And that resurrection is the one of life. And then he said, you already said it, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And we've shouted many times from this pulpit, they're going to tell us in this hour, you cannot say that Jesus is the only way, but we're going to say it anyway. Jesus is the only way. He's the truth. You're looking for the truth. There are those that are saying, where is truth? What is truth? Is there any truth? They've told us truth doesn't exist. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. No, truth is in the word of God. It's in the son of God. Jesus is the truth and then he's the life. And then he said finally, John 15, one through two, I am the true vine. And he that, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. One, that's somewhere along in there, Jesus said, you, whatever you ask of me, if you abide in me, whatever you ask. I'm going to tell you one more quick story, then we're going to pray. At the Harvest Fest last week, I told you about Rick Joyner's message, I think it was at Friday night, on the universe and how it's expanding billions. It's not billions, trillions. This thing is going on and on and on and on, on and on, on and on, and it's regenerating. It's Never ending. Heaven's going to be... Listen, if you just learn about one galaxy in heaven, that'll take you trillions of years. But we got things happening. It's, man, this is going to be incredible. We're not going to be bored in heaven. Say, I'm not going to be bored. 
It's not another this stuff, you know, holy, holy. No, you're going to say, holy, ho- holy cow, holy God. Are you kidding me? That's our, that's our, I think we'll get away with saying that. And are you kidding me? God, this is Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. I mean, this is going to be on and on. But anyway. So I went out after that message to the lake. You know where the lake down in Fort Mill. Went out to the lake. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to ask God. I wanted to pray. I wanted, I wanted greater vision. I said, God, I want to see how big you are. I mean, I've seen. I think I've only seen about this much. So I want more. I want more. I want to see you, God. So anyway, I'm praying. I think, God, I want to see you. I pray, Lord. I ask you to open my eyes. I, and then I just said. God, send a great awakening. Because when I walked out, I heard the Lord speak to me, and I've never heard this like this. I've read it, but I heard the Holy Spirit. He said, up until now, you have asked me nothing. And it, you know, I I caught, what do you mean? Up until now, I've asked you nothing. All I know is I heard him say that. Maybe it's a new level whatever, because I've asked him, but I, I heard, and I, so I started asking to God, use Moravian Falls. Lord, I've always dreamed to be a part of the greatest revival America's ever known. And Lord, if you hadn't noticed, things are getting pretty dark around in the world, and the enemy's raging, and I ask him. I just ask God. I mean, how do you know it's okay to ask? Some people say don't ask him. No, I'm going to ask him. One time, Rick Joyner said, David, God's going to use you to start a revival that he hadn't hadn't planned. Well, I reminded God of that. God, whether you planned it or not, I'm asking you, send a revival for my sake. So anyway, I prayed that prayer. And I'm getting ready to go back in. and, And this young man, I don't know, he looked like he was about my age when I was going to those conferences. He's in his 20s. And he walked by me. He said, you are applying what you heard tonight, aren't you? I said, yes. And then he walked on and he turned around and he stopped. He said, oh, the Lord wants you to know he's honoring your request. That's what he said. And then he walked on and I just, I said, thank you, God. And I believe. Remember when Lazarus was dead. He stunk four days. It looked hopeless. How many of you know four days? It looks pretty hopeless. It looks hopeless. But he said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? So, Lord, I thank you for the promises of your word. I thank you. Jesus is the great I am. He is the I am in this hour. And we give you glory, Lord, I pray. For just a new level and increase to see you, to know you, God. I ask for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, they're with me in that prayer that night. And I'm asking you, God, open our eyes, open our heart. Lord, whatever you meant by saying up to now, you have asked me nothing. But the rest of that says, ask of me so that your joy may be full. So, Lord, I pray for a new level, a new anointing to ask you from a position 
of which answers will come, I pray even quickly, Lord. I thank you we're living in days of great acceleration. And so I pray for accelerated answers to the prayers of the saints. And Lord, I thank you. You put something in us that will not let us give up on what you promised. God, I pray that faith, I pray gifts of faith. Because before I left that week, Bob Weiner, who accelerates in gifts of faith, grabbed me at the door that Saturday. He says, I want to pray for you, David. We, I love you. I love you. Bob Weiner, if you know him, he's a man of faith. He has the gift of faith, and he prayed for me. So I want to pray right now, God, I release gifts of faith, gifts of faith, gifts of faith. Those that are watching online, gifts of faith to believe God above every other voice above all that we see, all that we hear, that we'll hear your voice above it all. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the faithful, the remnant, Lord. As I read the rest of Isaiah, there's really a remnant, a cutting away. And Lord, I thank you for the remnant. And my prayer is that not only would the remnant arise, but the remnant would multiply. And that's my request to you, Lord. And I pray, God, you'll do something in our nation that we would not have believed had you even told us and that your son would get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. I'm going to ask Ricky and some of our prayer team to be around the front. If you need someone to pray with you, if you're visiting with us, just come and uh, let them pray in agreement. If any two agrees touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. If you need a Savior, this is the day to call out to him. And he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right there, online, wherever you are, just say, God, I need a Savior. And I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God. He lived, he died, he rose from the dead. I repent, I turn my life over to you. And I receive you by faith as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, that's what the promise is. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you believe in your heart. God raised his son from the dead. You confess him with your mouth. You will be saved. My friend, I wouldn't wait much longer. The hour is urgent. Call on him now and you'll see what God will do with with you for the rest of your days. The rest of your days, you'll be amazed. He's a good Savior. God bless you. We love you. Come for prayer. We'll see you later on.